I'm Corey Strumman. Welcome to the Rochester Rising podcast, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs in Rochester, Minnesota. Thank you for spending some time with us today to learn more about small business and the culture of entrepreneurship in Rochester. We hope that you learned something today from a local entrepreneur that can help you with your own journey. Rochester Rising is a part of Collider, a Rochester-based nonprofit that activates, connects, and empowers early-stage entrepreneurs in our community. You can learn more about Collider and how our organization can help accelerate and assist your journey at collider.mn. Today on the podcast, we chat with Christine Stensland, who has created a tool to assist therapists, coaches, and relationship educators who work with blended families. Let's get started. Welcome, Christine. Thank you for being on the podcast today. You bet. Well, to get started, tell me a little bit about you. What are some of your hobbies and interests outside of work? Is there an outside of work um, as an entrepreneur? <laughs> um, actually, it is kind of funny you ask that because it, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of time for other things in that we also, in addition to the program we're going to talk about today, Blending.Love, we also founded a nonprofit. So oh, wow. I'm also the founder and executive director and only employee of a, of a local nonprofit called Guide Your Heart. So um, it feels like we're doing a lot of relationship stuff all the days and all the hours. However, um, I do enjoy, um, we have four children that are all out of the house now. So yeah. when we get the opportunity, <laughs> and they don't live locally. So one of the things that I enjoy doing outside of work is going to see our children. So that's sure. fun. Yeah. I also get up bright and early in the morning to participate on the master swim team here. So, oh, awesome. Yeah. So swimming in Minnesota when it's really cold in the morning, it's not super motivating to get up, but I do. <laughs> um, and I find that helps even um, just clear my head for the day. Yeah. And, and also just, you know, I have some good friends that you make on the team over time. So that's one of the things I do. And then just opportunities to get together with other family and friends. Um, I, I have uh, a condition called FOMO, so I have a fear of missing <laughs> out. So I do try to squeeze it all in when yeah, I can. So, absolutely. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. uh, well, what originally brought you to Rochester and what kind of keeps you around? Originally, um, what brought me to Rochester is I was working out in Southern California for a large um, HMO. And then um, actually... I'm from Iowa, so okay. um, I would hear a lot that you can take the girl out of Iowa, but you can't take <laughs> Iowa out of the girl. And so I had my firstborn out in California and really felt just the pull to come back to the Midwest. And so sure. through a couple years of networking via California to Rochester, I came back for uh, to work at Mayo Clinic. Yeah. And so they they moved me back and um, and my son and my husband at the time. And so that's what brought us to Rochester. And what keeps us here is just, it has been a great place to raise a family. Um, it just feels like home. It's Midwest mm -hmm. vibe. And, yeah. you know, there's just some core values that I was raised with that, that exist here. And so it's a nice size of mm -hmm. a town. I didn't have to commute an hour each way every day, like I did in Southern California. Oh, yeah. So that was, um, that was great. And then just raising the kids here was just the perfect place for, for us. Yeah, absolutely. Would you say that there's something about the Rochester community that made you want to start a business here? You know, not really in that um, I think it's more life experience that that brought us to where we are today rather mm -hmm. than just the, the, the space of Rochester. Yeah, absolutely. Would you say that it has presented any unique challenges to starting your business? 
You know, um, I'm not the researcher of my of my husband and I. He's the researcher, and he would say, "Well, what else do you have to compare it to?" And I and I don't. Sure. But I do keep in mind that the Rochester community as a whole is unique in that you have one large employer with high high level professionals, which mm-hmm. is a unique vibe, um, even from my experience in Southern California. And so, I just keep in mind that that there are different. The culture of Rochester is largely impacted by. Mayo Clinic mm-hmm. and the major employer that it is. And so I think the unique challenge is just to recognize that that exists. And there's yeah. good and bad with that. Like mm-hmm. I think, you know, even Mayo Clinic's support of the entrepreneurial ecosystem here has been amazing. Mm-hmm. So there, there's opportunity. And then the flip side of that is um, I'm guessing the entrepreneurial ecosystem or community is maybe a little smaller because you have so many people that are employed by Mayo Clinic, mm-hmm. and so they have somebody else finding their paycheck, you yeah. know, getting yeah. benefits, um, those sorts of things. And so I don't, but I don't know. I've never done this in another city. Right. So I think there's pros and cons, which probably would exist anywhere that we did this. That is true. Well, tell me about your background in work and education. So um, I moved out to Southern California after I finished a master's in healthcare administration and a master's sure. in business with a major in finance. And so I have um, 14 years of healthcare administration background. And in Southern California, like I mentioned, I started at a large HMO, Kaiser Permanente, and participated in an administrative fellowship program, which okay. really was, it's funny that when I was prepping for this and you gave me this question, mm-hmm. I started thinking through the journey and I'm like, wow, like... <laughs> so, and I always say that there's, you can take something from everything you do. Again, I have four mm-hmm. adult children. Um, three of them are gainfully employed and one's still in college, but I tell them, you know, you're, you might know your general direction of where you're going, but you, you're going to pivot and wait, like be, it's like you're on an ocean in a ship, right? Like a wave comes and pushes you to the left and then you got to readjust mm-hmm. and go toward your horizon. And so I think as I thought about that, this question, I thought, wow, like I was, exposed to a large organization at an administrative level. So as an administrative fellow, I got to work with the highest level at Kaiser Permanente. So I got to see leadership styles that I liked and didn't like. Mm -hmm. I got to have exposure to sort of the inside workings of a large organization. And I met some great people along the way. But interestingly enough, I also got to pick up, we got to work on projects. And so one project that came about was opening new markets for Kaiser so I also was put in an intrapreneurial space yeah. and that there was a very small team that opened up spaces in um, Palm Springs area and then up in um, Santa Barbara area. And so I got both. Like I got mm-hmm. this established large organization experience, but also got to see what entrepreneurial in, but entrepreneurial things were at a young age and then went to a startup company as well, moved back to work for, Ky- mm-hmm. or for Mayo. Um and then um, ended up working for Principal Financial Group out of Des Moines. So those were all my experiences. So I got some national experience. I got some big company experience. Mm-hmm. I got some entrepreneurial experience. But I also got to experience layoffs at both large organizations that mm-hmm. I worked at. So when yeah. I was uh, the, the director administrator who had to lay off people, which was super hard, um, and then I was the recipient of a layoff at the leather, mm. another large organization. So I really encoded that there's no guarantee wherever you are. It doesn't really matter. And sometimes it's not based on your performance. 
Yeah. It's just other things happen. So then it kind of goes to, okay, should I, when you own your own company and start something new, you, you really are in a lot of ways in control. So it feels mm-hmm. like more, we're more in control as chaotic as it is in an entrepreneurial setting. But from there went to nonprofit work because I've always known that, um, uh, in, in this journey, I experienced a divorce and then I, couple years later, got remarried again. Mm-hmm. So um, in that journey, sort of the what was put on our heart was how to help couple relationships start and stay strong, and how do we do that? And so I went to a local nonprofit, learned how to do fundraising. So, you know, contract negotiations and healthcare translates pretty easy to fundraising. Mm-hmm. It's just who is the beneficiary of the request that you're making for financial support, um, really. And then from there, went to a marketing company because... I was like, well, I don't know how to do marketing. <laughs> and um, from there, just really quit working for anybody else and said, I'm yeah. all in. And so I wouldn't say that I was like, let's go start a business and put everything at risk. Um, I felt like I had to develop some tools in order yeah. to take that leap. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you definitely touched on this a minute ago, but what kind of sparked your passion for helping blended families and then what led you to decide to turn it into a business? Sure. So 17 years ago, when I was dating my now husband, we went to a Smart Step Families conference because, again, my husband's a researcher, so he went mm-hmm. to research what he was getting himself into or we were entering. I shouldn't say him getting himself into it. <laughs> but just what's different about a blended family than a, than a first-time or intact family? And so we went to a conference, and um, the speaker, Ron Deal, he drew up this um, PowerPoint and he basically showed all these connections and highlighted why some of these things are complex. And, you know, I don't, I'm not going to quote any specific stats, but Mm -hmm. second and subsequent marriages have a higher divorce rate than first time, uh, than, than first time, just, you know, your first divorce. Mm -hmm. And so it's because of the complexity of the structure and we saw it. And so we said, oh, that's interesting. How do we, what, what, what are we going to do with this? And mm-hmm. we kind of walked and, and I've learned these words in the entrepreneurial world. You've, we pivoted in many ways, <laughs> you know, how do we help other couples on this journey? And so we led divorce care um, for seven years, a couple times a year. And then we started a blended families group and, and it always was on our mind, how do you replicate and multiply this PowerPoint because this particular speaker can't be everywhere. And even though he's written books and has podcasts and all kinds of stuff, how do we mm. make this more accessible to lots of people? And my husband happens to have his PhD and does research and just just really gifted with, you know, data and analytics and programming. And so um, he started just dabbling in this probably six years ago. Um, how do we take that and digitize what we saw in a PowerPoint that helped our journey? So it helped mm-hmm. our journey in that it, it illuminated potential challenges. And I would say it's not that we didn't step in those things, but you're aware. We mm-hmm. were aware that this was a challenge or a potential pit or a pitfall. So really, um, how do we just help other people know that? Because when you're armed with information, you can navigate stuff better. Mm-hmm. And so that was really the the impetus of doing this. And so we started this, like I said, probably about six years ago, probably three years, truly like all in. I quit working for anybody else, hired some contract programmers, Mm -hmm. um, put a little bit more effort into it. So it's been a journey, just like Mm -hmm. we say, being in a blended family is a journey and we provide the map. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So that's really how it started is just yeah. our own pain and yeah. how do we use our different sets of skills, experiences, and resources to create something that helps others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what would you say are some of the greatest challenges you faced in getting started with your business? Oh, boy. The list might be like, no. Um, <laughs> I think the greatest challenges were largely, for a long time, it was me. I mean, meaning that I liked safety and security. I liked somebody else, mm-hmm. you know, finding the the money to pay my paycheck yeah. and um, my benefits. Not having benefits is a challenge, right? Because mm-hmm. it's scary. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's a hard thing. And so some of those safety and security things I just had to let down and follow our passion and trust that this is what we were supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. I think the other big challenge for us is just being in a space what, when you introduce something new, how do you explain it? Mm-hmm. And I think that's been a big challenge is just um, finding the right target market. I mean, all those things that we've learned on this journey. Um, and then now it's we're at the MVP, which is the minimally viable product. Mm. Um, you know, the three-letter acronyms that every um, <laughs> industry seems to have. But we have an MVP, and now we're kind of at that how do you take it to scale mm-hmm. and finding the resources to do that? I think they call that the financial cliff of death, um, <laughs> which some days it feels like I might not yeah. be quoting that the exact right entrepreneurial wor- wor- word, but um, we're at that point. And it's mm-hmm. exciting to look forward and say, we can get there. We just need, you know, some resources to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, this kind of leads into my next yeah. question also. Um, so you participated in Collider's first co-starters cohort. Mm-hmm. Uh, in what ways would you say that co-starters and working with Collider was able to assist or accelerate you on your journey? Yeah, I so valued my time with co-starters. And I think for us, we were probably, again, we had our product already launched. It's already been published in mm-hmm. a book. But what co-starters allowed um, was a little bit more framework. Like we probably had done some of those things, but not necessarily in an order or just thought through all of Mm -hmm. those. So co-starters allowed me to have a framework. Um, It also, by the way, helps with my nonprofit work too, because it's a a new business too. It's just a different Mm -hmm. financing stream. So I really appreciated that. I appreciated the community probably the most because the community of entrepreneurs are so supportive of one another. Whereas I think sometimes if you're not in this world, you just, when I tell, when I talk to family and friends, they're kind of like, Oh, that's great. And then they don't know what to say. (laughs) Um, they don't really under, I I shouldn't say they don't understand. I don't know what they understand, but Mm -hmm. it's a different vibe when you're in with other people that are like, have this great passion to do this this business and just supporting one another has been phenomenal. Um, and then just connecting to the ecosystem. I mean, I, Mm -hmm. again, I use these words that I wouldn't even a year ago be using all the time, MVP, eco, you know, ecosystem pivoting. Um, but I think just that ecosystem and getting tapped into the resources that are available, the experts that came in and talked to us were so helpful. Um, we've been connected to, um, some financing, opportunities, Mm -hmm. not, you know, just that I wouldn't have been aware of, or it would have taken me longer to get there. Mm -hmm. And then, um, just the educational opportunities that continue to exist. So I, I highly recommend co-starters or just getting connected if you have a business idea to, to Collider, because, um, it really has accelerated, not again, I mean, there's ways that you can find some of this stuff out, but 
the support, the encouragement, and then the resources readily packaged <laughs> to see which ones apply right. has been so beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like entrepreneurs already have such a long list of things to do that like <laughs> yes. being an organization that can minimize some of yes. those steps can really be helpful. And I would say too, you know, when we did the Collider Cup and we pitched, wow, talking about your product or business that you've been working on, it's in your head and trying to narrow that down to five minutes. That was, that was a challenge because you yeah. really are challenged to say, what is your value proposition what do people who aren't sitting in the weeds with you doing mm-hmm. this day in, day out, um, what do they need to know and what's going to resonate with them? Was It's just been great. And we've refined our pitch a couple times mm-hmm. since that time and the feedback. So it's just, I, I really, really am thankful that this exists in our community. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you say that the pandemic affected your business in any way? Not really. We weren't really launched, um, so to speak, sure. or a lot of what we do is online anyway. And, sure. you know, would it, would I say we have, so it's my husband, myself, and then we have one other coworker. Mm-hmm. Um, so did we see each other as much with our coworker? No, but there was technology and we weren't quite at that space. So I wouldn't say the pandemic, if anything, it probably helped us a little bit because we could slow down and focus. And I wasn't so um, distracted by FOMO. The other two were introverts, so they didn't, (laughs) they they were living their life, you know, their best lives with the, with the pandemic. But I slowed down long enough to go, okay, what, what is it that we're working on and where am I supposed to fit Mm -hmm. in this equation? Sure. Have you ever felt that being a female entrepreneur made it harder to start your business? Not really, but I but I would say that's because it's always been a team effort. Um, mm-hmm. My husband and I have been working together for a long time just to say, you know, again, how do we prevent the pain um, of, of a second or subsequent divorce on the family and the couple? Um, and how do we just help strengthen those those relationships? So mm-hmm. it's I've never felt alone. In, yeah. in this journey. So I guess I can't really speak to, you know, if, it, if I was doing it solo, I don't know, I might have a different experience. Sure. Yep. Sure. What do you find most rewarding about your work? Oh boy. You know, I think it's just because it is a heart mission for us and um, we like to measure it not just on ROI because I know that's a lot of mm-hmm. what you talk about. You know, if people watch Shark Tank or we'll just use that one. Um, so the re- that's a return on investment, but for us, it's a return on impact. Mm. And I think the best thing is when I hear, when we share blending.love with a couple or we share it with the professionals, you know, therapists that are like, whoa, like finally, like our families can see what it is that they're feeling. And mm. not only is it a diagnostic assessment, it's also a treatment plan because it yeah. provides a journey. It provides the path forward with resources and talking points and just the visualization of, of that family. We call it a family hedge, not a family tree. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's also referred to as a d- digital genogram. And so I think the reward is seeing that people feel like they are empowered and have hope. So yeah. it really is providing families a hope through understanding. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that, you know what, that motivates me. And even if it's just one family that I hear from, I'm like, yes, like <laughs> they felt like they were seen and heard and understood, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. If you were to give a piece of advice to somebody starting a business, what would it be? <laughs> be ready for a wild ride. Um, I just think... There's so many parts of this journey that I wasn't prepared for, and I don't know that I would have known. But I think it's um, 
it's a wild ride in positives and it's also mm-hmm. negatives, but keep going. And I would also say, find your community. Mm-hmm. I, again, I'm going to say finding the resources and the supporters and the encouragers has been just the, you know, just a boost along this process. And so, um, it's, it's, um, it's an interesting experience. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say again that I was like, yes, let's take away all the security and have all these risks. <laughs> um, but that's my personality. So being around others that are also taking that risk, you don't feel alone in that either. Similar to, like I said, with blending that love, we want families and couples to understand that other people are on this journey with them and they're not alone. And, yeah. and, and how do we support you in that? And that's what I feel like Collider and the, you know, entrepreneurial ecosystem here in our community and our, in our state, quite frankly, mm-hmm. um, have provided for blending that love. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for being on with me today. Absolutely. It was a, it was a, it was a fun discussion. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks so much to Christine for sharing her story. You can learn more about blending.love by clicking the link in our show notes. And thank you for tuning into the podcast today. We are so appreciative of your time spent listening and of your support of our work here at Collider. If you know an entrepreneur who would benefit from the conversation today, please share this podcast with them so they can benefit from the experience of other business owners in the community. We release a podcast episode once a month here at Rochester Rising, which you can find on the Collider website or wherever you best like to listen to your podcasts, including on YouTube. We launched Rochester Rising in 2016 to tell stories of entrepreneurship taking place within the city of Rochester, especially stories that otherwise would not have been told and to take the time to understand each entrepreneur and what their experience has been like in this community. If you find value in this podcast, please consider donating and lending support to Collider's efforts to share the stories of Rochester entrepreneurs and inspire others on their journey. You can find more information about our tip jar and how to donate in our show notes. Thanks again for tuning into the Rochester Rising podcast. Mm -hmm.